Welcome to our Saturday simulcast. Boilermakers drop a 20 to 14 decision to the Iowa Hawkeyes in Iowa City. Tom Deanhart in Tippecanoe County. Both Mike Carmen and Alan Karpik are here to uh, lend some thoughts to this one. Thank the Union Club Hotel, the 811 Bistro, Boiler Up Bar. Uh, it, it was a tough day for Purdue in a lot of ways. Been, devastating injury it looked like late in the game and yet Tom the Boilermakers did have a chance in the fourth quarter to pull this game out of the fire but let me get your instant reaction your reaction as you're writing about this game and what you saw at Kinnick Stadium today yeah looking down at the field and from the Kirk Ferentz Memorial Suite up here (laughs) yeah you're right Alan 20 to 14 they got the ball back 20 yard line no timeouts Two minutes left, maybe Purdue can make that miraculous drive to give us one of those Alcoa fantastic finishes. Remember those? Yeah. But anyway, first play, of course, Purdue gets sacked. It pretty much kills the drive. But, you know, that seemed to be a, a theme for the day, right? Um, Hudson Carr looking, 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 either eating the ball, um, getting sacked, or just making a, make, making a tough throw. So um, it couldn't get any separation. What was a big issue? Really, honestly, guys, they could, they could really get nothing going consistently on offense from a big play standpoint. I think there are only three plays, pass plays over 15 yards, four runs over 10 yards. Of course, he had the 43-yard touchdown pass, but outside of that, um, Iowa kept everything in front of it. You know, pretty pretty won the the statistical battle, outgained Iowa 357 to 291, but only had a uh, meager success on the scoreboard. So again, credit Iowa's defense. And in my mind, there was only one difference maker on the field tonight. That was that Iowa running back, Caleb Johnson. Um, otherwise, you know, Purdue just struggled uh, getting anything going offensively. And uh, just a real disappointment because I think a lot of people thought they had a good chance to beat this team, especially an Iowa team guy who's playing a quarterback, a 260-pound quarterback, making his first career start. I think it was 6 of 21. He was He was terrible. Uh, but he only threw the one interception, giving credit. And Iowa won with a guy named Deacon Hill uh, hitting six of 21 passes tonight. Yeah, he was uh, shot putting it around there a lot there today. I thought Mike would pretty gave Purdue some opportunity. But your observations, obviously, you got to protect the quarterback. The fact that Purdue had but six tackles for six sacks, 12 from a team that hadn't had a sack against a Power 5 opponent this yeah. year. If I think Mr. Dean Hart was touting that statistic throughout the week. And uh, 12 tackles for loss, all told. Uh, that's just not a recipe for, for uh, winning football. Uh, Deacon Hill looked like Deacon Jones playing back there. <laughs> That's the best yet. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think if you go, and I don't know if this would have mattered, but you go early on on, I think, Purdue's first drive or early drive where they were in field goal range and it was third down and Card got under pressure. He held the ball. He held the ball ran out of the pocket, he held the ball, and then just tried to throw it away. I mean, just count to three. If it's not there, throw it away, get your field goal, get on the scoreboard. And then um, there was another time, too, where then he got called for grounding, that he just held the ball, held the ball, held the ball, and then took a sack and got, you know, just tried to throw the ball up there. Um, And he kind of took some points, some potential points off the board for Purdue there. He has to he has to be better in those situations and whether mm-hmm. that makes a difference would have made a difference in this game. You know, it, it, it's unclear, but you know, the offensive line had trouble protecting him. 
the offensive line just had some some issues as far as um, keeping Iowa's defensive line, which hasn't shown a whole lot here in the early going, uh, from breathing down his neck. Now the Purdue ran. I thought Purdue ran the ball well. Maccabee had a, a pretty good game. He held on to the ball. That has to give him some confidence moving forward. But Purdue really didn't. As Tom said, didn't get those big plays in the passing game. And that's hard to do against Iowa. You have to go over the top of Iowa. You can't get big plays in the middle of the field against them. You got to go over the top as, as we've seen over the years. And, um, and they just could not shake free from a receiver standpoint uh, to, to get it done. You know, the defense kind of kept Purdue around. Iowa missed some field goals that would have taken a one score lead to a two score lead. So, but those things happen. You got to take advantage when they do. And, um, kind of a tough loss because you did feel like if you could catch a break here or there, not give them some easy points, which they did on the interception uh, that led to, led to a field goal, uh, I think. And, uh, right, I did. Yeah, uh, you know, maybe it's a different situation at the end. Yeah, I thought in the first quarter, Tom, you, know, you both made mention this. Yeah, you're sitting sitting at third and seven at the at the Iowa thirty, and you take an eleven yard sack in a play that he just looked like he could throw it away. I also thought, though, Tom, and maybe I don't know if you have any intel, just because you were there, and what it looked like in person. I thought Carr looked like he's favoring his shoulders, almost like running like his shoulder. I know, I know he dinged his shoulder on the one on the one uh, interception uh, return, return uh, long return by uh, by Iowa. But uh, any any intel there because it just looked like he was not comfortable. That also doesn't tie into his ability to hold the ball forever. But uh, how'd you how anything did you saw from that standpoint? Yeah, nothing. Uh, we talked to Hudson after the game. Didn't ask him about his health. Um, appeared to be fine. Um. Uh, he's got to be hurting though, right? And I, I'm pretty sure he was hurt coming into this game as well. So yeah, he didn't help. He talked about the six sacks. Iowa was last in America. Again, just three sacks total. Like you said, Alan, none versus power five. They look like the purple people leaders of the steel curtain. And <laughs> Kelsey Greenwood and Joe Green, those guys, and Ernie Holmes. But yeah, it was, it was a tough night for Hudson. And um, I tell you what, uh, you talked about the first quarter, Alan. That was the point. I really thought guys are pretty going to win this game. They had to get a lead. Yeah. Make Iowa play from behind. They couldn't let Iowa get comfortable running the football. You have to make that Deacon Hill throw it. And uh, three times in the first quarter, they got the ball into Iowa territory. And all three times, they came up with no points at all. And they never got the lead tonight. And I thought that was critical, more so than most games, playing this quarterback and this offense. It struggles so much. We hear so much about this Iowa offense and it struggles. You had to make them get out of their comfort zone, and Purdue wasn't able to do that by getting a lead tonight. So there's, there's plenty of plan to, blame to go around, obviously. But I thought that was key in the first quarter, right off the jump. I think Purdue got a three and out. Iowa took the ball, and Purdue got a three and out, got the ball, and went right back down. I, I can't remember the result of all the series. Then they got an interception. I think they did on the team, an interception. They had a long punt return early, I think, in the first quarter, 48 yards by Sheffield. And they, got, they got no points at all out of any of those. And again, never got the lead. Now, I wanted to see him get seven, 10 point lead and make this Deacon Hill kid try to throw the football 20 or 30 times to try to win the game. Didn't have to do that. He had a couple of big passes. Just had the one turnover I mentioned. And then Caleb Johnson, guys, I mean, the 67 yard run, when it gets right down to it, in mean, a 20 to 14 game, that's the difference, right? That was the other thing defensively, Purdue could not let Iowa get easy scores. 
Iowa made it tough on Purdue to score. The Purdue's going to earn every point they got. They only got the one off their one big play, but they couldn't mind that Iowa scoring a big play and let Iowa do just that where a guy didn't hit his gap. And I think I think what Johnson ran 67 yards, and I don't think he was even touched. Yeah, I, I'm Mike Carmen is fleet of foot, but I think in that hole that uh, I know I, I'm real confident that the two of you might have been able to score on that one because he was he was untouched and there was the, the siege parted there uh, from that standpoint. Yeah, statistics are for losers. We know that. But Purdue, nine of 19 and third down, not all that bad. Run 80 plays to 56. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you know, outgain Iowa like we talked about, but that doesn't matter. Uh, I guess my next step for you, you've watched Mike and a- ask about – what's next now? I mean, obviously we know what's next. Ohio state, a team that won by 20 today, why we don't gamble because uh, that game got to its spread by the end though. I, I thought Ohio state had a lot of tough, tough, uh, tough sledding early on and had, had, had Maryland not thrown a pick six early in the game. They might've been able to get out of there with a win. They did not. My point is uh, Purdue's going to need to regroup, find games that can win. They're going to be a 17 point un- or more underdog. I would guess next week. Uh, where have you with Ryan Waters? What do you, what do you got to do next, Mike? I mean, I, I sort of, uh, trying to figure out a way to get to, uh, seems to me it all comes down. Can you win it there? You, you're going to have to win your last four games or four of your last five, I should say, to get to a bowl game. Well, I mean, you won't talk about the big picture, but you can sit there and look at the schedule and know that you can only afford two more losses and you have high state Michigan on the schedule, which means yeah. if you're going to go to a bowl game, then you've got to win those other four. It's Nebraska, Minnesota. Northwestern and Indiana. Not impossible. Um, nope. Obviously, Nebraska did not look like world beaters, uh, you know, against Illinois, which has fallen to the bottom, probably below the, the, the seven schools in the uh, Big Ten yeah, West. They might finish eighth. <laughs> but, but Purdue, per, you know, Purdue doesn't have that big of margin for her either. They can't walk into any stadium and think that they're invincible. So, yeah, I mean, they're kind of up against it. The Illinois game gave them a little bit of life and a little bit of margin for error, but today's loss kind of takes that out of the equation. But, you know, we've, we, we've seen strange things happen, but, you know, there's, you know, now you lose one of your best offensive linemen. Um, you know, when will you get OC brothers back at linebacker? Uh, what other injuries came out of today that's going to, you know, get into your depth a little bit? Uh so, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of things that, you know, we don't know right now. But, you know, if you're going to get to a bowl, I think, that, you know, the path is pretty clear. Um, but, you know, we'll see. Ohio State had some struggles today. But can Purdue put enough stress on Ohio State's defense from an offensive standpoint uh, to make that, uh, make that matter? And can Purdue's defense step up and slow down Marvin Harrison, Jr.? Um, and some of those weapons they have on the offensive side. So they've got a tall task coming up, uh, not only this week, but when they go to Michigan and really when they play any game. I mean, that's just, yeah. that's who this team is right now. Um, and they're going to have to, you know, figure out a way. I mean, they, you know, this was going to be a close game regardless because of the way Iowa plays and, you know, they kind of get you into their style and that's, that's just how it is. But, um, you know, this is it's not a huge surprise, but, you know, now that it's here, uh, it's pretty clear what what Purdue has to do. Tom, you follow the personnel as much as anything. What do you do with Marcus Bowen? And, and and at least on the radio portion, uh, 
Uh, Ryan Walter seemed to be pretty. Yeah, this is, he's he's looks like he's this is this is obviously serious. They put a boot on him and carted him off the field, but um, you assume he's maybe done for the year. That's an assumption. I understand that right now. But what do you do now? Because he's he was such a key part to, or a key part certainly of a line that wasn't exactly flush with uh, being uh, really strong throughout the course of the first six games of this season. Yeah, you're right, Alan. Uh, I asked Coach Walters about Bo as well, and he said, like like I'm sure he's told you guys in the postgame radio, that um didn't look good. And uh, anytime they made a card out like that, and uh, uh, they didn't know the diagnosis, but, of, of course, they're assuming it's probably not going to be a positive one. And you're right. Who knows how long it could be out for, but you got to think it could be for a Significant stretch. Um, yeah, you know, Daniel Johnson, he was listed as questionable today. He hadn't played all year, so maybe he's coming back at just the right time. You know, he can play tackle. I uh, assume he's going to probably be the guy moving forward. Ben Farrell may be uh, the third tackle now after Musa and Daniel Johnson as well. So, yeah, those ranks, like you said, are on flush with a lot of top-level guys who are ready to play a lot of snaps. So, again, Daniel Johnson, Ben Farrell – be the next men up if, if, if Bo is out for a while. And guys, you know, before the game, we heard about Marcus uh, Marcus Wilson, the cornerback, you know, um, has a wrist injury, suffered last week, played the second half with a cast on. Guys, you know, he, he I'm told he's going to be out maybe the rest of the year. If he comes back, it's going to be very late in the year. We saw the true freshman Derek Rogers get the start opposite Mark Kevious Brown tonight at cornerback. Uh, that hurt. And of course, Max Claire, two guys, he's going to be yeah. out maybe all year. I'm told that he may have a slight chance to come back very, very late in the year. Uh, but again, I think that's a lot, that's a lot of fingers crossed there. They may get Salim Turner Muhammad back next week. I know it seems like I say that every week. <laughs> he's the Stanford cornerback, but he may be finally be ready. They certainly could use him with Wilson out. And guys, Tyrone Tracy, too. Yeah, what uh, happened? When we asked Ryan after the game, he said he was banged up. And I don't think he played in the second half at all. Did not. So, yeah, that's something else to, for us to keep an eye on, too. Uh, no, no no, idea what happened. Didn't get any detail from Coach Walters. Uh, so we'll have to see uh, next week how that progresses. And then, then O.C. Brothers, I think maybe he'll be back next week. I think, I think there may have been a chance this week for him to play. And then Ben Farrell's last one, right, the kicker. I'll be honest with you. Um, I, I think they should have gotten a kicker out of the portal. Um, in hindsight, I, I wonder if they would have done that differently. But anyway, Ben Farrell may be back next week, too, it sounds like. So, you know what? Like I could told some people tonight, everybody's got a sad story to tell you about how banged up and how, how lousy their life is or their team is. You just got to keep soldiering on, right? And they, they got to figure this out. And, and this, is, this is where you earn your money when you're a coach, right? Yeah, commit to figure that out. All right, Mike, I wanted lastly – you're working hard on a Tyler Trent story. That will be a storyline next week. Of course, the five-year anniversary of Purdue's and the Tyler Trent game and it's Hammer Down Cancer Week. Uh, give us a little sneak preview on that. Uh, what fan, what our what readers can look to look for for your story this week. But also, uh, we'll be doing a Monday Night Memories series with uh, with Tony and Kelly Trent this week as well uh, to commemorate that. Well, I just tried to find maybe some untold stories of that night. Everybody knows what happened in the game and how that unfolded and and, and things like that. Uh, so, I mean, I just kind of went on a mission to try to find um, things that maybe people didn't know about that happened that game. And I, I've come across a couple things that I think are interesting. 
maybe nobody else will, but I, I <laughs> it'll be interesting. I know that that's, uh, that's kind of the, the mission I went out on it. And, uh, you know, talk to, you know, several people just trying to find things like that and, you know, talk to some, some, some people that were in the game and, uh, people close to the game, but, um, there's a, there's a couple others that were not. And so, yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's something kind of, you know, it's close to me because of, you know, Tyler and, and things like that from, uh, the time he was camping out at, at, at Ross Age Stadium. So just, it, it just, you know, it kind of just worked together with Ohio State coming back five years later for the first time. And, um, but I'll let somebody else handle the 10 year anniversary or something like that down the yeah. road. I don't think <laughs> yeah, I'll be well, Mike, doing Mike Carmen. Yeah. I was going to say Mike Carmen is the guy that, that uh, got the story going uh, certainly back in the day and to his credit, it was an amazing story, a difficult story in a lot of ways, certainly. Uh, but uh, also one of the great moments in the, in the, you know, talk about the hundred seasons of Ross A. That game was probably uh, certainly in the top uh, top ten of one of the great moments in that uh, facility, if not in the top five. So, uh, we'll look forward to that story as well. Mr. Dean Hart travels safe back to West Lafayette. Uh, you can stop at that I eighty truck stop that Newbert always talks about. Make sure you do that. Uh, drive carefully as you make your way across the prairie uh, back to West Lafayette. Guys, thanks so much for your time tonight. I always enjoy a little debriefing. Uh, for all of you readers, watchers, listeners, uh, we appreciate you as well. Thank the Union Club Hotel for uh, its sponsorship of this, our Saturday night simulcast. We'll be back next. Well, it'll be a little bit earlier next week because it's going to be a th noon kick against Ohio State on the Peacock. So we all survived the first game of the Peacock, too, I think. And uh, at least for those Mike and I having to watch it, uh, that was a, that was a doable from that standpoint. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks so much. And we'll see you next week on our Saturday simulcast.